In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, those Ten Commandments are simple and they're memorable. They fit on two stone tablets. Not so heavy that Moses couldn't handle them both. Very unlike our modern legislation that needs, has so many sections and so many indices that every bill needs a binder to hold it together. Function of the Ten Commandments is not to keep life running smoothly and to make us polite and obedient. God gave us these commandments in order to constitute us as a people, as a people whose faith forms us into a human community. In short, the commandments are here to tell us who we really are and to prod us to become the people that we ought to be. We live in an age that doesn't put much emphasis on those Ten Commandments, and this is so even in the church. We no longer put plaques with the commandments on the east wall of our churches, as Anglicans once did, and the commandments are no longer a regular weekly part of our liturgies, as they once were. We prefer to emphasize the grace of God rather than the law of God. And that's a good thing, because God's love comes first. And God only gave us the law because God loves us. But if we forget about the commandments, and if we forget about why God bothered to carve them in stone, we forget their importance and why God commands us to obey them. The love, the grace of God, and the law are not antithetical. The commandments are not harsh directives sent from on high by a distant tyrant. Rather, they are sent as help from a loving God to give us signposts on the tough journey of life. And the Ten Commandments are not ten different laws. They are really just one law in ten forms. I am the Lord your God. Therefore, do this and don't do that. The commandments are only the details. I am the Lord your God is the main thing. Because first comes God's rule, God's reign over us. And then come the rules. Take the commandment to honor the Sabbath day. Keeping holy one day out of seven is a regular way of keeping life in its proper perspective by taking time off to rest, to worship, to renew our spirits through spending time with God and with the people we love. God gave us this commandment so that we might enjoy life and play and give thanks. You may have seen the recent study that reports that Americans not only receive less time off than people in other nations, but of the little time off we get, we don't take it all. 
think we'd better get started putting the Sabbath commandment into practice because God has given it to us to bless us and to give us rest. Take the commandment, you shall not bear false witness. <clears throat> the command against lying exists because we can't have any kind of society if we can't trust one another's words. God's commandment is against lies in our family, against public lying, against political lying, against all kinds of lying. Lying to protect your job or your reputation. Lying to get ahead by ruining somebody else's reputation. Lying to sell goods or to make a profit. Lying to the IRS. Lying to make your country look better than it is. You know, if everybody told the truth, we wouldn't need fact checkers on our newspapers. And we wouldn't have to worry about fake news. Lying erodes the foundation of truth. And truth is necessary in order to have a common life. Organizations and families break apart and decay when members are not truthful with each other. Life is hell when lying becomes a way of life. Therefore, the people of God may not lie. We must be champions of the truth. And we must protest when our government lies. The first and maybe the most important thing that we know about the father of our country is that he didn't lie about chopping down a cherry tree. And although historians have told us that this story may be a myth, we continue to remember it and to make it central because it's a powerful representation of the honesty that we need firmly set in our foundation. Take the commandment, you shall not steal. This is much more than a matter of not snitching candy bars from the grocery store or lifting a towel from a hotel bathroom. The prohibition against stealing what does not belong to you is rooted in the concept of a God of justice who has provided the resources of the earth to be shared by all the people of the earth. If we take Jesus' anger against the unjust vendors in the Jerusalem temple as an example of God's reaction to those who exploit others, how do we think God views those who don't pay their employees a fair wage? Or a nation that spends more money in one day of war in Afghanistan than it spends in a whole year to aid the impoverished countries in Africa. You shall not steal, says God. You cannot take what belongs to someone else. And you shall not covet what other people have. You know, if you spend your life yearning for a bigger car or a bigger house, a fancier office or a fancier vacation, dreaming of being a rock star or a scratch golfer, You'll forget to give thanks for what you have. 
You'll forget about sharing what you have with those who have less than you do. You'll be jealous and resentful instead of being grateful and satisfied. You shall not commit adultery, says God. Sexuality is a gift from God, part of the wonderful way that God has made us. I think the very best hint we may have of God's love for us, God's yearning to be one with us, is being pursued by a lover who wants to become one with us. Sexual attraction, sexual relationships teach us about love and about God, but sex without love is not godly. And so trivializing sexuality as a means of advertising or using pornography or prostitutes, they all teach us of the power of lust, not of the love of God. Now how about thou shalt not kill? If we are commanded not to take life, how can anyone think that there should be no restrictions on the sale of AR-15s? We can argue, and we should argue, about other ways we kill, about capital punishment and abortion and eating meat and euthanasia and just war. But surely, no one can come up with a good argument for having bump stocks and assault weapons at home, let alone in the hands of an 18-year-old boy who says he'd like to be a killer. God is clear. Thou shalt not murder. Enough is enough. God gave us these commandments for a purpose. When God gave Moses the tablets of the law, the desert dwellers who were found following Moses became a people. They became the Israelites. They became, became a family brought into being by God and given the code by which they would live. And as they decided how to obey this code, how to obey God's law, the people gained a sense of identity and, and of purpose and of connection. The law defined who they were and how they should live. And they did that for 600 years until they were forcibly exiled in Babylon. And when they went into exile, what they were singing was this. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land. Well, the Jews did four things in their Babylonian exile to maintain their identity. Here's what they did to sing the Lord's song. They circumcised their sons. They kept dietary rules. They ate a Passover meal to remember their rescue from Pharaoh. And they tried to keep the commandments. They kept them as a moral code, but more importantly, they kept the commandments as the values and the mores of a people whose God had redeemed them from slavery and given them this law and given them their identity. The Jews knew that if you break a commandment and repent, God will forgive you. 
God's forgiveness wasn't an issue. But if you forget the commandments, then you will forget that there is a God who will forgive you. You will forget who you are, how you got here, and what you are about as a people. Sabbath, diet, Passover, law. People who honor these things are Jews in whatever culture they happen to find themselves. People who honor these things are people who stand for something. And they have to, because that something or someone is the way they understand who they are. God didn't create us and then leave us like lost sheep without a clue about God's expectations for us. God loves us enough to tell us straight out what those expectations are. Jesus says the expectations are only these, love God and love your neighbor. And the way we are to do this is to follow the commandments. We are to be truth tellers so our word can be trusted. We are to be faithful to our promises, no matter what. We are to come together every Sunday to worship God. We are not to kill and not to steal. The commandments are not helpful suggestions. They are not recommended guidelines. They are not a formula for success. Commandments are a matter of life and death. Can you imagine living without them? Can you imagine having a God who just doesn't care about the law, about how we live? Can you imagine having no identity as a people formed and shaped by God's law? Thank God for the commandments, for every single one of them, and incline our hearts to keep these laws.